Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, the podcast where we explore the origins and development of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us for what is our final regularly scheduled episode of 2021. Yes. It was a very good year, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely, yes. <laughs> it feels that only two minutes ago we were recording Supergirl of Two Worlds mm-hmm. via remote recording and <laughs> sweating it all out and, and all that sort of stuff. So it's gone very quickly, but you know, it's, it's been a very satisfying year. We've managed to keep on top of things and all that. And, Indeed. And everything. So listeners, to round out this year, we're, we're doing another one of our occasional flashback episodes. We're flashing back to July 1964, which isn't too far away. It's really long goes, the crow flies. And it's a story that's published slap bang in the middle of the 1964 JLA-JSA team-up. Mm-hmm. Published, I think, two weeks before the publication of JLA issue 30. So there you go, just to give you an idea in the cosmic scheme of things, where this would have been if we'd spotted it earlier or decided to do it earlier or whatever. So we're doing a story from issue 68 of House of Secrets, which was published on the 9th of July, 1964. And the story we're doing is entitled Eclipso's Deadly Doubles. And that straight away tells you we're doing an Eclipso story. Indeed, yes. So Eclipso, who first appeared in issue 61 of House of Secrets, which was published in, in May 63. Um, Eclipso's been on the radar a bit recently. It certainly has. Uh-huh. It's been the big bad, very effectively used in series two of Stargirl, which Pete and I both really, really enjoyed. Indeed, just finished it the other day, yeah. Great stuff. The last five minutes of episode 11 honestly wiped me out, and I was punching <laughs> the air during the final episode at points. It's so, so good. You know, as, as a dedicated and lifelong and committed Justice Society fan, there was so much stuff in it that was just absolutely amazing. So, mm-hmm. listeners, if you haven't been watching Stargirl, you really should. Yeah, strong recommend. Because we probably will talk about an issue of Stars and Stripes at one point, mm-hmm. not too far away from where we are at the moment. Yeah. So, yes, Eclipso. When did you first encounter Eclipso, Pizzi? I think it was in the early 80s when he turned up in a couple of issues of Green Lantern. Uh, okay, I don't remember yep. much of the story, I haven't read it in a long time, but yeah, he was in, I think it was a two-parter, Yeah, around I, about then. Uh-huh. What about yourself? I think it was during my kind of early period of becoming a, a dedicated DC fan. I think it was during the summer of 1992 when Eclipse of the Darkness Within was the themed oh, link between that year's summer DC annuals. Mm-hmm. I, and, I th- <laughs> and I think most of the ones that I got, I picked up after the event. <laughs> You know, in one couple of cases, a long, long time after the event. Mm-hmm. But I remember, you know, see, seeing the, the promotional comic with the free plastic diamond on the cover and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And by the time I had picked up most of the annuals, I was reading and really enjoying the, the Eclipso ongoing that spun out of it, mm-hmm. which I think just finished just shy of 20 issues. And of course, he was briefly mentioned in the Spectre around about the same time. And so early 90s, really, he's a very, very interesting character. Now, is going to give us a bit of background on the Eclipso now, aren't you? Yes, this is from his Who's Who entry, his original mm-hmm. Who's Who entry. And it says, while on the island of Diablo in the South Pacific to film a solar eclipse, Dr. Bruce Gordon was confronted by a local seer named Mofir, who attempted to kill Gordon for defying local customs. Lunging at Gordon with dagger upraised, Mofir managed only to cut Gordon with the strange black diamond clutched in his other hand before the sheer momentum of Mofir's charge carried him over a cliff to his doom. Oh no! Grateful to be free of Mofir's tyranny, the island's natives gave Gordon Mofir's costume and black diamond. Months later, as Gordon was about to dedicate Solar City, the crowning achievement of his career, a second solar eclipse occurred in the South Pacific, and Gordon found himself transformed into someone else. A being of awesome power and awesome evil, 
who called himself Eclipso. Wielding the black diamond as a weapon, Eclipso destroyed Solar City before a blinding burst of light transformed him back into Bruce Gordon. Recovering from his shock, Gordon deduced that his body, cut by the mysterious black diamond, had somehow been affected by the emanations from the first solar eclipse, and that the second eclipse had triggered his transformation. For the next several months, Gordon found that any eclipse, real or artificial, would change him into Eclipso, who would wreak all sorts of havoc that Gordon would later have to repair. Ultimately, Gordon developed an ultraviolet ray gun that he hoped would turn Eclipso from evil to good, but instead it somehow affected Gordon's body, splitting him and Eclipso into two separate beings. Gosh. Now able to confront his evil alter ego, Gordon became Eclipso's most relentless foe, thwarting the fiend repeatedly until he could use a blinding flash of light to return Eclipso to his body. And then it goes into some events that happen after the story, so we'll right. discuss that. Okay. I, I want to go over his powers a wee bit, because they're yes. listed here as well. It says under powers and weapons, he is a superhumanly powerful and savage hand-to-hand combatant. Eclipso's greatest weapon is his black diamond, actually some sort of alien meteorite. Held to his eclipsed eye, it fires a frigid beam of impenetrable black light. Held to his uneclipsed eye, it projects a beam of destructive laser-like light. While any sort of eclipse, lunar, solar, etc., can free Eclipso from Bruce Gordon's body, only a burst of bright light will return him to Gordon's body. For a time, the artificial eclipse would only change Gordon into Eclipso, not separate the two. But that seems no longer applicable. And I have to say, in the Husu entry, yep. the image of Eclipso was done by Dave Gibbons, and it looks phenomenal. He was probably drawn Green Lantern about that mm, time. Yeah, he popped up there, right. wasn't he? Probably, yeah. Uh, yes, Eclipso. So you're probably wondering, listeners, why we're doing an Eclipso story. Well, obviously, the story will play out, and you'll get an idea why. Mm. We do also have a plan for another character who regularly appeared in House of Secrets called Mark Merlin. We've had a Mark Merlin episode on the schedule as a flashback for ages. Yes. And we keep bumping it back and bumping it back. and <laughs> It will happen. It will happen. It'll probably be the next flashback one that we do, actually. Mm. Interestingly, the cover to House of Secrets 68 is a Mark Merlin cover. Yes. Because he was uh, the co-star of House of Secrets at this time. Mm-hmm. So there's no Eclipso cover to tell you about. I mean, what we no. could tell you is that Mark Merlin looks as if he's been turned to Reed Richards and wound around a big memorial pillar yes. somewhere. In fact, hang on. You've been immobilised into an elongated freak, Mark Merlin. Let the world see the powers of Doctor Seven and his supernatural ally. And there's a big green monster standing next to this man who looks very devilish. Mm. Doctor Seven? Doctor Seven. That's great. That's That's great. He could could team up with Doctor Fate. Yes. And the MF Enterprise's Doctor Fate. Mm -hmm. And Doctor Occult. Mm -hmm. And Doctor Midnight. And they could call themselves the Five Doctors. They could indeed. (laughs) <laughs> Amazing. They would have one adventure in November 1983. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, you'll probably see the cover on the socials as, as usual, because we, that's what we do. But yeah, this Eclipse was not really on that, apart from a little floating head and a caption box that says, another thriller featuring Eclipso, hero and villain in one man. I mean, that's an interesting aspect. Of course, it's very much a play in the Jekyll and Hyde sort of thing, yes, isn't it? Yes, very much so. That Bruce and Eclipso are inhabiting the same body. So as I say, issue 68 of House of Secrets, published on the 9th of July. 1964, and we'll dive straight in. You can strap yourself in, folks, because this is another Bob Haney story, so anything can happen. You're joking. Yes. Haney already, mm-hmm. me. And it's uh, Jack Sparling on art, so yes. Art was gorgeous, it has to be said. Very, mm. very moody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we have an opening splash panel and a little text box that says, At last, Bruce Gordon's long, desperate battle to rid himself of Eclipso, his evil other self, is won. 
The young scientist banishes the Master of Darkness forever, only to open another door in the universe of wickedness, through which pours a threat greater than Bruce has ever known. Eclipso's Deadly Doubles! This opening splash panel shows Bruce Gordon, who it must be said looks very disco in this story. Yes. He's wearing a white suit jacket and a black shirt. Open at the neck as well. Yeah, it's almost mm. like he's fallen back in time 15 years. In this sort of laboratory, there's equipment surrounding him. He's being spoken to by a character, another character we'll meet called Professor Bennett. And behind the two lads, as Professor Bennett gestures, we can see no less than one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different eclipsos. Gosh. Some of them more distinct than others. And mm. Professor Bennett, with his pipe in his mouth, <laughs> has his hand on Bruce's shoulder, and he's saying, Great stars, a whole army of eclipsos coming from nowhere. Gosh, so there we have it. How he can speak with his pipe in his mouth, I'm not too sure. Years and years of practice. I suppose. So you learn that as a 1950s scientist yeah. who then grows up to be a 1960s scientific mentor. Yes. The feeling I had reading this, this issue, listeners, in preparation was that, it, which I said to Peter just before we started recording, it reminded me of a Whose Line Is It Anyway sketch where they kind of take the mickey out of 1950s science fiction B-movies. <laughs> Pretty much. Think of that, as, if you will, as the, the key phrase from the tone meeting, <laughs> if you like. <laughs> so we're just going to dive straight in. The story begins properly. Panel one of page two. There is a caption that says, In a vast underground lab complex, a man works late into the night. Only the silent, uncomplaining stars his witness. Yes, it's Bruce Gordon in his disco outfit that we mentioned earlier with some scientific equipment ranged before him and he's quite annoyed and frustrated because he's thrown something against one of the bits of equipment and it breaks with a giant smash and he says, No! No! I failed again! Then a hand reaches out toward the despairing man. Yes, we see Bruce holding his face in his hands looking very dejected and off camera a voice says, Bruce! Oh, Bruce, my darling! It doesn't matter! All that truly matters is us, together. In the next panel, Bruce turns round to see that Mona Bennett has arrived and her father, Professor Bennett. Bruce gestures towards Mona. We should probably describe the other characters. Mona looks very much like Big Barda, I feel. <laughs> very solid bit. black hairdo. She was mm-hmm. a red dress. Very voluptuous, pouting lady. Not quite as tall, though. Yeah. And her father, in the first panel we see here, reminds me very much of the, the late English character actor, Kenneth Connor who appeared yes. in quite a lot of carry-on films. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, if I was doing Professor Bennett's voice, I would probably be channeling Kenneth Connor just for a laugh. Um, he doesn't look quite so much like him in other panels, but no. just in this one he does. One he does kind yeah. of slicked back, thinning, greying hair, he has a moustache, wears a brown suit and a pipe. Anyway, Bruce has turned around to see Mona standing next to him, trying to offer him some reassurance. And Bruce is saying, Mona, Professor Bennett, I, I can't get it right. I failed to get the reflector prisms aligned now a dozen times. Professor Bennett says, Mona's right, Bruce. It doesn't matter. But it does matter. The last time Eclipso appeared, he split off from my body for the first time. It gave me a feeling of freeing myself from him for good. Bruce gestures to a very helpful drawing of Eclipso Mm -hmm. that's pinned up on the wall. The next panel shows Mona looking as if she's heard this a thousand times and she's fed up with it and Bruce has a clipboard and he's talking to Professor and Bruce is saying, Look here. My experiments with photographic plates exposed during eclipses led me to deduce that at the exact instant of total eclipse, a certain combination of prisms and stroboscope could be used to bend light rays and reduce their speed slightly. Mm. We arrive at the top of page three, Bruce is operating some equipment and explaining to the others, if my formula is correct, it could possibly open a door into another dimension. A dimension we could exile Eclipso into and lose him forever. Professor Bennett looks at the clipboard and remarks, Hmm. Yes, it might work, Bruce. It must. 
When the next change comes, you've got to try the apparatus on him. If I can ever perfect it. Again, Bruce sets to work on the delicate, complicated apparatus, and... Delighted, Bruce exclaims, Success! I've got it, Professor! Now let Eclipso show his evil face just once more! Good work, Bruce! There's a total solar eclipse due in about ten days. We'll try it then. Slow fade, caption for the next panel. Relaxing from his arduous work, Bruce goes with Mona and Professor Bennett to a scientific exposition. Yes, a big helpful, handy sign on the wall which says, Astronomy Pavilion, programme now going on. So that's where they are, that's what's happening. The professor is standing looking at something in his own and Mona has her arm in Bruce's and she's saying, This is fascinating, darling. So good to have you to myself. Look. Let's cuddle in some artificial moonlight while Dad's absorbed elsewhere. So yes, they're heading into the astronomy pavilion. However, final panel, page three, Bruce reacts in panic. Great galaxies! Bruce is reacting because the big display in front of them shows the sun being covered up by, well, a representation, a model of the moon. Lots of people standing around watching, having a great time. Bruce is panicking. Mona looks a bit panicked. She looks at Bruce. Bruce continues, they're showing an eclipse. Got to get out of here. Captain of the first panel then on page four says, The next instant... Yes, we see Bruce running from the Astronomy Pavilion, and he's already starting to change into Eclipso, which means that in a very similar way to the way that they used to depict Peter Parker's spider sense, mm -hmm. half of Bruce's face is turning blue as, as the shadow of Eclipso falls over him. Professor Bennett is nearby and sees Bruce running, and the Professor thinks, It's Bruce, and something's changing him into Eclipso. As Bruce stashes away... Yes, in the background of the panel we see Bruce running towards a doorway that says storage. And in the foreground of the panel, Professor Bennett grabs a camera from something that's labelled as the press table and runs after him. And the professor thinks... Have to borrow this. Caption for the next panel. Into a maze of crates and equipment, Professor Bennett pursues the fleeing young scientist. Yes, we see the professor following Bruce amongst all the, the piled up equipment. And the professor bringing the camera up to focus, and he's thinking, He hasn't split like last time. It's just a regular change, but I've got to stop it before Eclipso takes over completely. Caption for the next panel. Suddenly... And Bruce stroke Eclipso jumps out in front of the professor from between the pile of crates and says, Here I am, professor, waiting for you. The professor brings up the camera and says, No, you don't, Eclipso. And there's a click, burst of light, caption for the next panel. Triggering the camera has set off the flashbulb full in Eclipso's face. And... Yes, and Bruce is leaning back against the crate. It looks like he's recovering slightly. And he says, Where am I, Professor? Everything's okay now, Bruce. You're changing back to yourself. Well done, Professor. That was good. Grabbing the flash gun. I wouldn't have thought of that. So, I'm at the top of page five. Caption of the first panel says, Fortunately, the fantastic transformation is unnoticed by the enwrapped throngs. And soon, back at the lab complex... Yes, back at the lab, Bruce is standing looking very sad. Mona standing very close behind with her arms around him, reaching up to kind of pull him in tight. Bruce is very moodily monologuing, saying, That was a close call. Evidently, since my change was caused by an artificial eclipse, its effect was too weak to split me and eclipse all apart. In the background, a pipe-chomping professor says, Yes, if that coming real eclipse doesn't split you, we'll never have a chance to try Operation Exile. Okay, then. Must be a bit of time passing, because the caption for the next panel says... Then, as the time for the actual solar blackout draws near... Bruce and Mona are canoodling here, quite frankly. I feel a bit embarrassed for the professor as they sort of sit through this, but as they're canoodling, Mona's obviously showing lots of support. You know, a kiss. She's got her 
arms up around, she's playing with these hairs, pulling them in close, and she says, Oh, Bruce, darling, I've got goosebumps. What? What if something goes wrong? Bruce replies, If it does, sweetheart, always remember, whatever happens to Bruce Gordon, you own his heart. Forever. And the professor, who really can't be bothered with this, says, Hurry, Bruce. Caption for the next panel. Bruce enters the test chamber, and as the university's inexorable laws send the moon careening across the face of the sun... Yes, yeah, so a lot going on in this panel. There's a sort of slatted effect going on in the roof. Obviously, it's maybe some kind of skylight, and light is coming down from it. We can see the professor looking up at the light and focusing the, the lens that Bruce had set up. And Bruce is standing... Looks like he's behind a glass screen, actually. Mm. Or maybe there's a glass screen behind them. Bruce is standing further away. Mona's looking up at the light coming down through the ceiling and affecting the equipment, and she's thinking... Bruce must split this time. He must. Caption for the next panel. Then... Mona exclaims, Dad, it's working! Eclipso is splitting off from Bruce! And that's what we see. Bruce and Eclipso being defined as two separate individuals. It doesn't really look as if they've gone to great effort to show Eclipso emerging from them, but they're standing there two separate forms. As this happens, the professor exclaims, Great! Now to activate the strobe wheel! Yes, and there's a click, as he obviously he operates the equipment that Bruce was working on earlier. So we arrive at the top of page 6, the caption for the first panel says, The next instant, as Mona yanks open the adjoining chamber door, Bruce runs out. Mona says, Hurry, Bruce! Bruce says, I'm out! Slam it shut, Mona. We can see Eclipso standing behind him. Actually, Eclipso looks scary as heck. It almost yes. looks like he's yes. running after Bruce and is trying to follow him. Caption for the next panel. The door clicks shut and... We see Eclipso standing inside this chamber. And from outside, Bruce says, So far, so good. He's quoting the Magnificent Seven there, kids. <laughs> the scant amount of solar rays are being focused by the apparatus right on Eclipso. And we can see the, the lens operating and light being focused through the, the glass. And there's a golden halo surrounding Eclipso, Mona remarks, but he's getting ready to use his black diamond to burn his way out. Professor continues in the next panel. Great stars, look, Eclipso, he's fading away. As we see through the window into the the chamber, Eclipso is indeed growing slightly translucent and fading out. Bruce says, he's entering dimension zero. We've done it. Dimension zero. That rings a bell. Yes. I'm putting all the pressure on you to remember what that's from. Uh, Dimension Zero was where Zine Arrow was from. Of course. In the classic Zine Arrow, Zine Arrow team-up that was reprinted about 80 times. Yeah. And it's very good. In which we did a few months ago. We certainly did. There's a good chance you'll have heard it already. And it predated Flash of Two Worlds. Again, yes. Green Arrow visiting a parallel universe. And, and meeting uh, another version. Of yep. himself. Yep. Yes. So, um, <laughs> yes, Dimension Zero listeners. So that's why we've managed to persuade ourselves that it's okay to do this Eclipso story. So. This this may or may not be the same Dimension Zero. I don't think it is. I think it's just uh, the yeah. first, first name that Bruce Gordon came up with. Yeah, I mean, we're obviously, there's there's a couple of Dimension Zeros. We're going to meet a few different Dimension Xs oh, yes. in our time. There's another Dimension X story, actually, as the crow flies not too far away. Dimension Zero, yes. So, anyway, caption for the next panel says, And as the great orb of the sun now once again floods the Earth with cheerful brightness. Yes, the eclipse must have passed. The professor exclaims, He's gone! Eclipse is completely gone. Mona spins and hugs Bruce, saying, Oh, darling, I'm so happy. I could cry. In fact, I think I'll do just that. Cry. Bruce is grinning broadly in the caption of the next panel. Yes, it is a happy trio that celebrates the sudden exile of Brucey's evil alter ego. Yes, we see Mona crying tears of joy. She cradles Brucey's face in her hands and she says, Darling, do you realise it now? We can be married? Bruce replies, I know, Mona. And soon as your dad and I complete that research project the government assigned us, we'll have our wedding. 
Tiny caption says continued on third page. Following the next page has a DC subscription advert which appears to use Mark Merlin, the other star of House of Secrets, to plug subs for House of Mystery, Strange Adventures and Mystery in Space. Mm. So that's quite exciting. And obviously House of Secrets as well. But as I say, we'll be getting to Mark Merlin before you know it. We arrive at top of page seven. Free of his nemesis at last, Bruce sets to work with Professor Bennett on their project until some days later. Yes, this is an interesting panel showing them working some scientific equipment. There's lots of globes and bits and bobs. Very alien-looking scientific equipment. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the model of the first Dalek city in the mm, first mm-hmm. Dalek story. And there's a weird concentric diamond pattern playing out behind Bruce, which again reminds me of the very early John Pertwee Doctor Who title sequence. <laughs> So that's quite fun. Mm-hmm. So yes, there's radiating diamonds of green and yellow forming out behind Bruce. And the professor points and says, Bruce, that weird glow behind you. And a caption says, And as a strange humming fills the lab. Yes, there's a hmm, hmm. which makes it look very much like his, either Eclipso or Bruce's thinking. <laughs> and with this hmm, Eclipso fades into view. Bruce whirls and exclaims, Eclipso, no, it can't be. He's come back. But following the first sinister figure from the glow... Yes, the hmm continues, and the professor remarks, Great stars! More eclipsos! Coming from nowhere! And we see at least another seven or eight eclipsos starting to fade in as well. Mm-hmm. Bruce remarks, It's an invasion! From Dimension Zero! Why is the story not called Invasion from Dimension Zero? That'd be a great title. That would be. Mm. I think I might change my Twitter handle to mention that, actually. That's quite fun. <laughs> Caption for the next panel, then. Moments later... Yes. Bruce has some very helpful dialogue here when he says, We, we're prisoners. Because we can see several Eclipsos standing around. Mona's in the room as well. We didn't see her previously. And she remarks, Oh, Bruce, what's gone wrong? I thought we'd seen the last of Eclipso. Standing immediately behind Mona is another Eclipso. And then we can see that Bruce is circled by a couple more. Loads of Eclipsos. All the Eclipsos, in fact. Mm. So in the final panel of the page, one of the Eclipsos is holding a rolled up piece of paper in his hand. Giant piece of rolled up paper. And he says... Here, Bruce Gordon, you will begin work on these plans at once. What? Not a chance. Suddenly... So first panel of page eight now. A couple of the Eclipsos grab Mona. One of them says, You will do as we say or the girl will die. Bruce moves forward, but he's restrained by the professor. Professor says, No, Bruce, you can't fight them all. We must follow their orders. Okay. With Mona a hostage, Bruce and the Professor are forced to begin work on the mysterious plans. Yes, Bruce has unrolled the big piece of paper, they unrolled the blueprints, whatever. We can see there's diagrams and stuff drawn on it. Mona's in the background, almost like she's been shepherded away by a couple of the Eclipsos. We can still see a couple of other Eclipsos standing very close to Bruce and the Professor. Bruce is looking at the plans and he's saying, We're helpless. Somehow they broke through from Dimension Zero and are bent on constructing these plans in a hurry. Shiftily, the professor looks over his shoulder at the Eclipsos and says, But, but which one's Eclipso himself? My guess is, none of them. If Eclipso were here himself, he wouldn't need us to build this project. After all, he has my brains and know-how. Then, Eclipso himself is still back in Dimension Zero. Right. And these duplicates are probably mental energy forms he was able to create, which had the power to cross the dimensional barrier and perform a deadly mission. Mission? Yes. Evidently, Eclipso can't cross the dimensional barrier on his own. And from these plans, what we're building is a transmission device to do just that. Good heavens! Then we're helping him return and can't do a thing to stop it. Maybe we can, Professor, Bruce whispers. Meanwhile, we'd better get busy on this project before they suspect anything. Yes, it's interesting that they've been able to have this conversation. (laughs) 
for a few panels here with all the eclipses just stand about watching them so maybe yeah. that gives a bit of weight to what they're thinking that mm -hmm. they're just maybe empty projections that are just there to keep an eye on them so yes yep. we see the professor and bruce setting to work and as we arrive at the top of page nine the caption of the first panel says Two days later. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should have had a two-day pause. <laughs> Released the second half of the podcast on, on the Saturday. That would have been do. fun. Could do that in the edit. Yes. <laughs> so, this panel shows, again, the professor looking very much like English character actor Kenneth Connor. And Bruce hasn't changed his shirt. He's no. still wearing the disco shirt. He's still wearing the disco outfit. Maybe it's self-cleaning polyester or something. Could be. Maybe it's his own invention, Unstable Molecules. Yeah. The DCU version. Yep. There's a bunch of lingering eclipses in the background as Bruce and the professor have a whispered conversation. Bruce says, The transmission device is finished. Only those duplicates don't know it. Now, we've got to work fast, professor. Right. Long as they hold Mona hostage, they don't watch us too closely. Okay, caption for the next panel. Inside the adjoining lab chamber. Yep, Bruce and the professor have snuck off. Professor's saying, But you're taking a terrible chance, Bruce. Using the door to dimension zero again. I have to, or Eclipso will return, and with those duplicates it will be 100 times more dangerous. Hurry! So yes, in front of them the table is the equipment they were using at the start to project Eclipso into Dimension Zero. The caption for panel 3 of this page says, Quickly, Bruce positions himself at the target end of the device. Yep, Bruce has snuck into the other room. We see the professor firing up the strobe wheel, and he says, Ready, Bruce? I'm inducing an artificial eclipse with the shutters across the skylight. Let her rip, Professor, cries Bruce from inside the room, and we can see that the, the slanted skylight was evident in panel two, so that's obviously what's working. The caption for panel four says, Then as the eclipse sunlight is focused through the refracting apparatus and stroboscopic wheel on Bruce's body... Yes, we see Bruce being struck by a burst of energy through the window. The professor's voice comes, exclaiming, It's working! Bruce is fading into dimension zero! Fantastic! Caption for the next panel... Through myriad planes of space and time, the young scientist hurtles into the unknown. Yes, we see Bruce floating through a sort of purple void. It's a very Spectre-esque panel, isn't it? Yeah. Huh? Lots of floating globes and discs. I don't think it's the same Dimension Zero that we saw earlier on. Definitely not, no. As he floats, Bruce exclaims, I, I'm here. I made it. So, top of page 10. Caption for the first panel says... Across the weird landscape, Bruce searches. Yes, now it looks as though he's on ground because there's there's the hint of a shape of a sort of rocky outcrop. Mm -hmm. And it does seem like he's walking in the next panel. So all these little globes are floating around, multicoloured globes, little green and red and orange bubbles almost. Mm -hmm. And Bruce is saying, must find him. Must find Eclipso. Then... Ah, some helpful see-what-you-see thought bubble from Bruce in the next panel here as he thinks, Eclipso. Standing in that burned-out circle. Must be the transmission target spot. He's waiting to be whisked back into our own dimension. Indeed, we see Eclipso standing in the midst of a big black circle. Eclipso whirls around, spots Bruce and says, Bruce Gordon, so you followed me. Bruce thinks in the next panel, Got to get close enough to hit him with this light grenade to return him to my body before the professor activates the transmitter and yanks whoever's on that spot back across the dimension barrier. Gosh! That's quite a thought to have in the heat of the moment, isn't mm -hmm. it? You can see that Bruce is, hand is holding something in his hand here. It looks like a tennis ball, actually, quite frankly. Yes. Eclipso, however, has raised his black diamond to his left eye and exclaims, Fool, you haven't a chance. Caption for the next panel. But as Bruce charges his other self... Yeah, there's a sort of tzyung sound effect coming from the, the black diamond Eclipso has raised up to his face. And it almost looks like Bruce has been struck by a cloud of dust and falls back, thinking, He's driving me back with energy bolts from his black diamond. 
Again, Bruce tries to get into range of his malevolent alter ego. And again. Yeah, we see Bruce reacting here. Lots of little bubbles floating past him. And he thinks, he's keeping me back with near misses because if he kills me, he dies too. But if I don't get to him in time, he'll go back across the dimension barrier and I'll be marooned here forever. Yeah, so obviously Eclipse was continuing to strike Bruce with blasts from the diamond. So we arrive at the top of page 11. Bruce is down on the ground. We're as near as the ground as we get in this weird dimension. And Eclipse was still firing at him with a vazang sound effect. Bubbles floating around as Bruce thinks, Got to try something. Fast. Wait. Those globes. As he beholds the floating circles around him. I've got it. Must concentrate. A moment later... Suddenly, we're almost at Eclipso's point of view as he reacts and sees no less than six Bruce Gordon's suddenly floating around in front of him. And Eclipso is thinking, What? Gordon figured out that anyone in this dimension has the mental power to convert those energy globes into duplicates. And he's sending his own army against me to confuse me. Wow. And as soon as Eclipso says that, it does look as though one of the, the Bruce's is emerging from one of the green globes that's floating around them. Mm. So, caption panel 3 on page 11 says, Desperately, the Master of Darkness hurls his unique power bolts through the black gem at the onrushing figures. Yes, with some tzung sound effects, we see that Eclipso is indeed doing that. And as he fires at the duplicate Bruce's, he thinks... I don't care if I perish too. One of them must be Gordon, and I'll stop him dead. Gosh, yes, it looks as though a couple of the, the Bruce's are being taken out, and that was very scary. Panel 4, page 11, the caption says, At this instant, back across the dimensional barrier. Yes, we're back with Mona and the Professor, and some scientific equipment in front of them. They're surrounded by four Eclipsos. One of the Eclipsos says, Gordon's gone, so you finished the transmission device secretly. Very well. Then we will use it to return our master, Eclipso, to this world. Now! And with a click, one of the Eclipsos activates the equipment in front of them. There's a zroom sound effect in the next panel. There's a massive concussive burst of light, and lots of the multicoloured globes appear in the air in front of the Professor and Mona and two Eclipsos. And the Professor says, Good stars! If Bruce didn't have time to defeat Eclipso and reach the target spot, he'll be marooned in Dimension Zero forever! Gosh! We're now at the top of page 12. Caption for the first panel. Time, the world, the universe all seem to stand still in the room as... Yes, the burst of energy continues and with a hrrm sound effect, the form of a figure begins to take shape. Professor points and says, Someone is coming across the barrier. Is it Bruce or Eclipso? Caption for the next panel. Then... And it's Bruce. Bruce has appeared. Mona jumps forward delightedly to embrace him, crying, Bruce! Oh, darling! And the professor notices... The duplicates. They're vanishing. We've won! Yes, in the background of the panel, the duplicate eclipses are fading out. Caption for panel three says... Shortly... An extreme close-up Bruce is saying... Phew, it was close. While he was blasting my duplicates, I hit him with the light grenade and returned him to my body. Then I hurled myself on a target spot, evidently just in time. Yes, and Eclipso's defeat ended the existence of those deadly duplicates. And a slow fade. We're standing outside their laboratory with the Professor and Bruce. And a very busty Mona, it must be said. They're watching the sunset and the Professor says, Well, Bruce, we stopped the greatest threat Eclipso ever tossed at us. But we're right back where we started. Yes, Bruce leans into Mona and says, I know. We're still not rid of him. Perhaps we never will be. All we can do is keep hoping and fighting. And we're bereft of a little caption box that really should say, the, the end. end. Yeah. So, 
Invasion from Dimension Zero of the Deadly Duplicates. That was really fun. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah. It mm-hmm. was quite exciting, actually. Mm-hmm. It flew past, mm-hmm. and only 12 pages, but it felt, you know, it felt like it could have been even less. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that joke in the Ruttles. They recorded, you know, their first album in a lunchtime. Their second one took even longer, something like that. <laughs> that flew by. Did not outstate its welcome by any yeah. stretch. And it certainly makes me want to read some more Eclipsos. I can't lie. I'll be honest, if my weakness was I turned into an evil being every time I saw an eclipse, the last place I'd go to would be a planetarium. <laughs> just, yes. Just in the off chance. Just in the off chance that there was a... I mean, yeah, because that's one of the... I mean, that's one of the things. The fact that it's artificial eclipses can, mm. can trigger it as well is fascinating. Basically, if you had a lamp and someone held up a tennis ball in front of the lamp, would that trigger them and he'd well, become eclipso? There's only one way to find out. <laughs> Let's try it. That was fine. I didn't mm. really have too much to say. It's in, I mean, it's another another dimension. Yeah, we've done a few more of these other dimension stories, listeners. Obviously, because there's mm. not been too much in the way of golden age multiverse action recently. Yeah, there's not too many more of them really, mm-hmm. but we've done a few. I think it's worth doing because it lets us talk about some characters that we may not otherwise have talked about. And Eclipso will pop up again. Mm-hmm. We'll see him briefly in Crisis, if not elsewhere. Mm-hmm. That was really interesting. I liked the fact that Bruce is very good at thinking on his feet and yeah. working out. I liked how we we weren't privy to his thought process as he worked out what was going on. Mm-hmm. But he worked out and then Eclipso told us what he'd worked out. I liked that little bit. The artwork was great. Very moody. Yeah. And certainly I think Chris Gordon especially looks very much like Robert Redford. An older Robert Redford, actually. Aye, he's got, that's he's got fair. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, Robert Redford and Kenneth Connor. <laughs> Imagine them in a film together. With Barry Leon, perhaps. Yes, something like that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was fun. There's not too much more to say. It did the job. Dimension Zero. Mm-hmm. Bit of lightweight fun, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's safe to say it probably wasn't the same Dimension Zero yes. that we saw in the Green Arrow story. Just a coincidence. Yeah. There we Just like the Earth X from the Jimmy Olsen story that was only called Earth X on the cover yes. isn't the same Earth X we're going to be seeing when it comes up later on. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, that would be a, a real stretch to make yes, that the same. I think so. I do like these other dimensions. Mm-hmm. It probably qualifies as multiversal. I mean, especially, yeah. you know, the Superboy one we did. It was a very Earth-like planet that we saw in that one. Mm-hmm. As I say, I don't want to overstate it. Yeah. It's, it's fun for kind of just mixing up. I don't really have too much more to add. It's interesting that a tiny cast of characters, just the, the three, mm-hmm. I suppose, regulars and the, the main baddie, there was no one at the, the planetarium sort of yeah. screaming in, in shock or yeah. anything when Bruce ran past. No ticket-taking you know, ticket staff members <laughs> or anything. Yeah. I wonder if this was a filmed on standing sets, cheap episode to finish, the, yeah, <laughs> to, finish the, to finish the season. Uh-huh. It was good. It was nice to read a, a Silver Age Eclipso and see that he's... Mm-hmm. Not quite as intimidating and scary as, as as the '90s version that I got very used to. It's not about corrupting people and making them eclipse, making them evil versions themselves. It's yeah. more just a power thing. Yeah. It's also interesting that he's kind of a legacy character himself because when he gets his powers originally from this uh, seer on the island, the seer mm. is wearing the eclipsal costume. He's not calling himself eclipso, and he doesn't appear to be eclipsed, but he does have the costume and the diamonds. Ah. Uh-huh. Uh, and obviously the natives of this island decide to get rid of both the diamond and the costume and give it to Bruce Gordon. I think they know more. Yes. They must know. Yeah, it might, like, it's obviously a curse or something that's passed yeah. down from person to person. And Bruce, being a typical Silver Age scientist, says, yes, thank you, ah. uh, tribesman. I'll take this away as a memento. Yes. Because that's what they did. With then. no thought to what the possible consequences or anything could yeah. be. Very silly of him. His first story actually is really interesting because he has built this solar-powered city. Uh, being the architect of this, and that's where his, yeah. his lab is, it's under there, and basically when Eclipso is released for the first time, he just literally destroys the entire city. Uh-huh. And it's 
horrible when you think about it. It's so advanced thinking about you know an entire city that's solar powered. Oh yeah, that's that, right. for sixty for sixty years ago, basically, mm-hmm. it's tremendous. Yeah, it's a great idea, and obviously something that would be amazing today. Never yeah. mind, never mind that. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's fairly shocking that you know mm. to get a little bit political. It's really shocking that they haven't embraced such things more mm-hmm. than they should have done. No, so, I mean the solar city thing rings a bell. I mean mm-hmm. there were other Eclipso stories. I mean I think I mentioned before how that in recent months I'd read the the Will Payton Starman series mm-hmm. for a while, and Eclipso pops up at the end. Oh, of towards that. the end, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just before, you know, literally a couple of months before becoming, you know, the, the poster boy for that year's summer crossover. And of course, I think he's in, I'm right in saying he's involved in the Phantom Stranger miniseries. Yes, uh-huh. From that's, that's really a couple good. of years uh-huh. earlier, so, which I haven't actually read. Have you not? Oh, no, I've got them. I might dig it out actually because we have a plan to do a Phantom Stranger story, mm-hmm. so I'll probably dig them out. No, it's really good. Covers. Uh-huh. That and the Demon series, they were both out roughly yeah, the same time. They were both right. great, just four issues each. Yeah, they were the fantastic. One, yeah, I remember having yeah. sure that at the time. It's Mike Mignola, I think, in the Phantom yeah. Stranger. It's great. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, Eclipso, because this, I mean, as you, you made the point very well, it's like I'm the the first version of them that I was exposed to was mm-hmm. this this version that was going around possessing other heroes with him. You know, uh-huh getting them to hold on to the Black Diamond and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. I mean, God, it's terrifying to think that next year it's 30 years since Eclipse of the Darkness was in. <laughs> I'm so old! And those plastic diamonds are still stuck to the front of all those covers. My copy didn't have it. My copy's <gasps> a... Ah, you may, you may well be shocked. My copy was a bought in a newsagent's in Paisley with a £1.25 Gosh. price sticker on the front. So Gosh. I never had the, the plastic diamond, but I remember seeing it in FP, when, mm-hmm. probably in ACA as well, when the, when mm-hmm. the thing went on sale. I dug out actually all the Eclipse of Darkness within annuals to read recently up when I mm-hmm. finished Starman, but I, I read the first opening issue which involves Starman and involves Valor, which is that version of Monel at the time. Yeah. But I kind of stalled halfway through the first Superman annual because it's very long and very wordy, so I've kind of completely failed to reread that crossover. <laughs> Maybe now that I've, we've done this story, I might have another bash at doing it. I yeah. don't know. But certainly on the social medias, I'll be posting quite a few other comic covers featuring Eclipse. So certainly mm-hmm. some of the covers from the, the 1992 annual crossover and some of the covers from the ongoing series and some other Eclipse covers as well. Mm-hmm. So make sure you check out the socials and have a look at all of those. And if you're in the mood for more contemporary Eclipse action, he's currently appearing in the pages of The Flash. So check that out. Sadly, there's no reader reaction from the time. There's no letters pages we can refer to, so we don't know what other people thought about this at the time. I'm intrigued, though. I've got a copy of the Showcase reprint of all the Eclipse of Stories. I think I might dust that off and flick through that. And as we say, mm. we have a plan for Mark Mellon, who's the other star of House of Secrets at this point. So it was we'll be... for years. But anyway, that's, that's, we'll talk about that later yeah. when we get to it. So we'll be talking about Mark Mellon. As I say, as the crow flies, probably fairly soon once we get into next year. So mm. look out for that one, listeners. So as we're winding up this year, we just want to say we're going to do a little bit of an extended shout out mm-hmm. to some of the various folks that have shown their support to us across the various social medias yep. over the year. Obviously, we have our Facebook page and our Instagram page and our Twitter page. On Instagram, we have had a lot of regular support from and just really account names here. We don't have a lot too many people's real names <laughs> here, unfortunately. Feel free to message us and tell yeah. us your real names Aye, and we'll give you a shout please, out. Please do so. So on our Instagram page, we quite often get comments and reactions from Steve's DC Superstars, from Superman and the Silver Age, from 50 Cent Comic Collector, and we do, he's called Michael, so hi Michael, thanks for your support, thanks for listening. Ed T, from my occasional work colleague, Kevin George, from my old mate Mick Pride, aka Karloff87, from Huffmaster, from DC Sci-Fi Comics, from Alejandro Alvarez, from Dalen Clark, I hope I've pronounced your name properly, Mr. Clark, I apologise if I haven't. Drummer Guy, who I think is called Reed, another account which uses the name Under the Shadow of the Sun, Charlton 66 and Attic Comics. And of course, our old pal Johnny McKinstry. Indeed, yes. He gives us a lot of feedback on Facebook as well. Mm-hmm. And 
Steve and Caitlin Higgins. Let's give them another mention. Of course. Why not? Hello, Higgins family. We're waving. Hi, Higgins family. And on Facebook, we've had some great reactions and interactions with Chuck Loridans. Hi, Chuck. Vicky Panton, Robert A. George, Michael Best, Mark Tensmayer, Jeremy Rockler, Jonathan Ray, Paul Stevenson, Stuart Burns, Matt Smith, not that Matt Smith, Lucky Jackson, Johnny Brown, Griffin Tucker, and more recently, Martin Gray's been getting in touch to give us feedback. So thank you, Martin. And we've also had some great feedback in person from Alec Bretner and Colin Murphy and Debbie Murphy. So thanks for listening, folks. Yep. And big list of folk who regularly give us retweets and likes and what have you on Twitter. So there's Jim Imbruglia, who ages ago told us that Tarantula was one of the baddies in the Plastic Man cartoon. So thanks for that, Jim. Dave's Comic Heroes blog. We love Dave. You should check out his Twitter account. Lots of really interesting stuff. Covers a lot of material that's relevant to the sort of time period we're going to be looking at. Ryan Smith and Wayne Burroughs regularly give us likes and retweets. Billy Delicious from the, the All-Star Squadron podcast, Long Box of Darkness podcast. Thanks for your support, Billy. It's much appreciated. I'm sure you've got better things to do with your time. I'm hoping that I'm getting everyone's pronunciations right. There's John N. Lowe's. There's Michael Shue. Keith Baker. Steve4132. I'm not sure about the okay. other 4,000-odd Steves. Dr. Pop Culture. Our good friends, Max and Rich, from the Weird Warriors podcast. Indeed, yes. They always make a point of giving us a, a dedicated tweet, so thanks for that, guys. Mm-hmm. We're enjoying your podcast enormously. And you should definitely check it out, folks. Mm-hmm. Unconditional recommend. We'll be doing a couple of issues of Weird War Tales ourselves eventually, actually, so you mm-hmm. should listen, definitely listen to, to Max and Rich. We also get regular support from Chris Lydon, Gavin Rizza, at Infinite Wars, from our pals at FP Glasgow, Pedro Angosto. Hopefully I pronounced that properly. The Star Rocket Radio podcast, which deals with Infinity Incorporated. So you should check that out. We'll be talking about Infinity Inc. eventually ourselves. Mm-hmm. Good while yet before we get there. Claudette Renault, Hopefully I've pronounced your name properly, Claudette. Gives us a lot of retweets. And my old pal from the MySpace days, um, Chuck Brulette. Um, Brulette, sorry, I met from Chuck, I do apologise. You should check out Chuck's Twitter account because he does these amazing collages of images from comic covers that tie into... To what's going on in comics. He's a genius, quite frankly. And we should also give a special shout out to DC Multiverse Historian. We don't know his real name, sadly, but he. No, um, true. Yeah, regularly engages with us yes. on, on Twitter, lots of fan theories, and he's got a really interesting blog as well. His Twitter handle is at Earth1, it's number one, Earth2, number two, DC. No hyphens or punctuation. So have a look at his page and have a look at his earth-1-earth-2.blogspot.com for some very interesting extrapolation mm-hmm. about the links between all the different DC characters on on the different Earths. He obviously puts a lot of time and a lot of thought into it. It's a very, very interesting, very stimulating theories and suggestions about how everything ties together. So you should definitely check him out. Indeed. And as I said already, check out the Weird Warriors podcast and check out Dave's Heroes comic blog and check out the All-Star Squadron podcast, World on Fire, because they're all doing great work on stuff that we'll also be covering ourselves to an extent and hopefully we won't go too much over the same ground when we get there. But just generally, thanks to everyone who's supported us this year. We're, our listening sort of download figures have gone from strength to strength. We've had a really good year. Indeed. It doesn't feel like we're shouting into the void. Very much so, yeah. It feels like we have some regular support. So from both of us, it's really, really appreciated. And apologies to anyone we haven't mentioned, but if you're interested in getting a shout out on the show, then please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us. We're at the earth2podcast at gmail.com. We've just gone through the social media, but if you want to find us, so you can contact us on Instagram and Facebook, we're at the earth2podcast. And on Twitter, we're at podcast underscore earth2. And it's the number two for all our social media. And of course, this episode and all our other episodes are on our own website, which is the earth2podcast.com. 
And as I said earlier on, check out our Instagram and Facebook pages on next week or so for some extra bonus Eclipso content. Yep. We're taking a break after this episode for a couple of weeks because it's the holiday season. Indeed. But we'll see you back again in early January with Green Lantern issue 61. Yes. So Peter and I will take this opportunity to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. Indeed, and a Happy New Year. All the best for 2022 when it comes, and Mm -hmm. thank you for your support this year. Indeed. On that note, I've been Peter. And I've been David. And we'll see you next time on... The Earth 2 Podcast. Transmatter cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. Into a maze of crates and equipment, Professor Bennett purges the free... Pursues. Sorry. (laughs) Right. I thought that's not right. Okay.